Taco Mama at Barnard Tapas. Today is Wednesday, September 20th, 2023, time for episode 196 of the Barnhart Podcast. And I think we need to talk about Latin every podcast from here on out because by far that was yeah. the most email response <laughs> we got of any topic. And a huge, huge thank you to the person on behalf of whom, or on behalf of the, the person whose question it was that I forwarded. Because I, I sent all the answers uh, to this person, and they were just uh, effusive with, "Oh, this is awesome! This is this is a lot of great resources. Some they knew about, some they didn't." And so that was mm-hmm. that was a lot of great resources. And uh, who knew that there was there was such a going to be such a massive feedback just on the Latin language? It's always strange. I mean, it's always been that way that the the things that you get the most feedback about, or you get the most passionate feedback about, or whatever are are the things that that I at least have thought were just kind of, you know, not throwaway posts. I never try to make any throwaway posts, but, you know, I'll write something up and post it and kind of shrug and say, well, on a scale of one to 10 on the Barnhart scale, that was a, you know, that was a solid six or something like that. And then, and then you're just getting inundated. <laughs> yeah, not throwaway, but something that you didn't take, not quite serious, not quite tongue in cheek either, but, but it, it was something that, you know, is on your mind for Just one reason or another, but it's not that heavy duty, you know, yeah. um, punching heresy in the mouth kind of thing. It's just like, Hey, this is kind of a lighthearted topic that came along or, or some, something a little bit offbeat. And it's like, wow, that got a lot of response. And you know, what's weird. Yes. Okay. So I'm, how long has it been now that I've been doing these these meme posts, right? And it just kind of occurred to me, you're sending me some, I'm getting, you know, people are emailing them in. And, you know, when I, when I get a good one, I would save it into a certain folder. And then it occurred to me, however long ago, a year and a half ago, or whenever I started doing it, I said, well, I should just, you know, kind of make periodically posts of these memes and, you know, kind of be like a, it'll just kind of like be a regular feature that I've curated these memes and found the clever ones, clean, clean enough ones, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm kidding. They're, they're some of, they are consistently some of the most popular posts of, of any given week. And I get, I get these heart, heart rendering emails from people saying, thank you. The meme posts are keeping me sane. <laughs> Like wow, okay, unexpected. I I almost I almost felt like I was cheating because it's so for me it's so easy. Okay, get a good meme, save to folder, blah blah blah, and then you know every six days or whenever the folder fills up fills up. Okay, add 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 add, add post. I I almost feel like I'm cheating. You know? Does it really take six days to fill it up? Because I know there are some days I send you twenty four no. at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I should be doing two of those a week. But again, I, f- I feel like I'm cheating. But you know, it's quality content and the people enjoy it. And like I said, the heart rendering emails, the memes are keeping me sane. Well, let's do whatever we can to help each other. So you know, we're gonna keep doing the meme posts. That's the power of comedy too. I mean, and, and being able yeah. to tell a story with an image like that. I mean, it, it's, it's cutting through the BS the, of, of the media and all the lies going on. You can you can tell a truth with a simple image and or in a slightly uh, humorous manner 
And yeah, it is, it is sanity just to call a spade a spade sometimes. And I'm if you if you go to daily mass and and there's several times during the year, obviously there's the feast of a of a widow, not a martyr, and you know a holy woman. And um, the the epistle reading for that mass is Proverbs, I think it's thirty one, and it's the description of a good wife. And it's it's a beautiful passage. It's a model for for all women. It's a model even for women who are not married. It's just this description of a virtuous um, woman, but specifically a wife. And one of the lines in it is, she laughs at the days to come. And I've just always loved that. So yeah, we we are living through this this poop show of of the collapse of of. Christian civilization, but at the same time, we're also supposed to be able to laugh at the days to come and keep a joyous countenance and have a sense of humor about things. And yes, it, it does. It's not trivializing anything. It, it genuinely does help to be able to laugh at some of this stuff and and have that that healthy release and um you know it, it keeps you sane you it's kind of important it's kind of tactically important and this would fall under the general category he, uh, header of morale uh, to have you know a good a good attitude and to be sane you don't want people who are just you know imploding into you know existential despair and angst and all of this you know you need you need people who are who are on the ball and and can can think and move and and work and do things and and yes even do it with a smile on your face from time to time and hopefully hopefully more often than not so that's what we're going for okay so pop quiz to the former protestant what is one of the most commonly repeated phrases that jesus uses in the gospels be not afraid exactly uh-huh. <laughs> and that's that's why if you're if you're not afraid you can laugh at all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've I've borrowed the phrase from a, a priest I know that you know he says these times you either have to take hostages or laugh. Um, and, yeah. and you know it's one or the other. I mean, you you either become the anecdote that uh, you know drives the January sixth um, legend uh, from from the liberal side, or you just laugh at them all and say, "Are you people serious?" Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. Proverbs, I think it's 31, look it up. She laughs at the days to come. So keep it up. Absolutely. And this gets into our our outline for tonight, unfortunately. I I don't have any more housekeeping items. I I wish I did because that that was like the first 30 minutes of the show last time, which is hilarious. (laughs) Because I was looking at our our topic outlines, like we got two things. How are we going to get the show out of this? And it was like 35 minutes in, after talking about Latin for a while, we finally got there. But... One of the things we want to talk about this week is um, a character who who was used to be known for his um, he, he was he was a comedian uh, for for a long time. He was uh, heavily into drugs and alcohol. Quit that and then became addicted to, shall we say, physical pleasure. And we're talking about a guy named Russell Brand. Um, he he's now been accused. Well, in, in the last ten years, he has uh, purportedly made a change in his life. He he comes across as being somewhat conservative and populist with his uh, YouTube show. And now he is being accosted, not by anybody in the legal uh, field right now. And this is, this is definitely a mark of the modern times. If you want to accuse somebody, of, uh, if you're a woman wanting to accuse somebody popular of rape, you hire a PR team first and lawyers are an afterthought. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it, it was uh, 
I channel four and I forget what two newspapers over in England are, are detailing, um, seemingly aggrandized, maybe actual cases there, there, there's, it's, it's thin on actual allegations of criminality, Mm -hmm. but they're just smearing the guy as as basically being rude and crude. And he's like, yeah, I was all of that. And I, I I never hid that. Yeah. And promiscuous. Um, Oh, turbo promiscuous. He was turbo promiscuous. He was, I hate to use this term, but he was late. He was labeled the shagger of the year for, cause he would, he would be with up to 80 women a month. I I don't even know how you would do that, but you've got to have serious, serious mental problems even to want to attempt that. Yeah. So (laughs) it's, um, I'm, I'm watching this and it's very interesting to me. Um, I'm not an apologist for this person at all. It's disgusting, but it's, it is clear what happened. A lot of his content. I mean, we've even amongst ourselves and kind of the Barnhart podcast, little, little group where we keep abreast of current events and possible topics and things we want to talk about. He's had a couple videos, which he was calling, he was calling BS on the Corona scam on the death injections on all of that. So he, he crossed the powers that be there and he's been otherwise, you know, leaning back in towards something resembling a modicum of, of moral sanity and um, living, living in reality, let's say. Um, it, it, his loss is not going to be any great blow. But the, thi- the reason why I want to talk about this is what's so interesting is that, like Super Nerd said, um, the allegations here pretty much sound like skanky women fornicated with this guy and then he was he was mean or rude to them afterwards. Oh, and, and they, they willing just... they willingly did so because he was a celebrity and, and he would have some of his um I don't know, stage handlers or enablers would go out into yeah. the audience and say, Who wants to meet Russell Crowe or not Russell Crowe, Russell Brand. Right, yeah. Russell yeah. Brand. Forty to slip there. Uh Russell Brand, you know, behind after the show in you know backstage, backstage. in I mean, his dressing were, room yeah. exactly i mean it was they, they weren't exactly you know sugarcoating what was what, what the expectation was and one yeah. of the one of the big allegations here is that uh one of the girls was 16 well in the u.s that would be a problem in the uk that's actually the age of consent legally or at least it was then i don't know if they've changed the laws or there was some move afoot to change the laws i think they should but uh yeah. that that's they're basically just saying he's a scummy guy he's like yeah, that's what he was. Yeah, exactly. How how did you not know that? Um, but they did know that, and that's the point. And, and what struck me about all of this is it seems to me that this is just Luciferian. This is the classic devil's bargain. So all these people have bought into this idea of sexual liberation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of this stuff, you know, you you can't engage in slut shaming or anything like that my body my choice i do whatever i want now what what has happened is that and remember we're big on the barnhart podcast about the idea that you have to pull your focus back and see who the big overarching driver 
driving these societal dynamics is, and it's Lucifer, ultimately, you know, let's save time and just cut to the chase. It's Satan. Okay, so you pull back and what say, what is he famous for? He's famous for making these bargains with people, and then he double crosses them and circles back around and gets them on the other side. That's exactly what's going on here. So he's convinced all of these people that promiscuity, fornication, various and sundry forms of sodomy, which, you know, sodomy is de rigueur for heterosexuals now. I mean, it's, it's, it's considered obligatory. Oral sodomy is com considered obligatory among heterosexuals now. Um, all of these things, oh yeah, you can do this and no restrictions and for free abortion up to the moment of birth, my body, my choice, blah, 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 blah. So all of these people, male and female, are engaging in all of this fornication and all of this casual sex and all of these hookups and all of this stuff. And now Satan has, has flipped the script almost overnight. And so now if they need to get rid of anybody, like for example, Russell Brand, all they have to do is get some women to come forward and say 15, 20 years ago, I had a hookup with this guy, and then he had the unmitigated gall to not marry me and uh, be completely uh, be completely faithful to me and treat me like a queen and and his life partner for the rest of his life. <laughs> you just sit here and look at this and say, "Wow, wow, that's that's quite a chess move by Satan." So Satan has. <laughs> played quite the masterful chess maneuver here in flipping this and doing it almost overnight so that a failure by all of these people that have been up until now completely convinced that fornication, sodomy, hookups, um, sexual liberation, that all of this is not only is not only acceptable, but it's laudable and praiseworthy and it's the way to be and it's the way to live your life almost overnight now, they have flipped this into, um, if you don't, if you do not abide by the standards of behavior of, um, you know, trad basically traditional marriage, traditional courtship and marriage, that you are, um, you are now basically uh, canceled, you can be charged with, with rape, and you know criminal criminal offenses for all this stuff. Um, I think this is what's going to start happening. They're going to start eating their own, and you're going to see people being being convicted of rape. Of course, mostly men convicted of rape for simply fornicating and then not following through with with you know matrimony. Uh, chastity within marriage i mean it's 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 absolutely amazing to watch so you know just just keeping that in mind how satan will will just circle back around and and get you and get people on the on the complete other side of things i think that's i think that's what's happening right now and something i'm trying to research while while you're talking about this and that's why i didn't notice what you were saying when you dropped out momentarily I know that I've heard a connection between Russell Brand and Aleister Crowley. And of course, if you do a Google search right now on that combination of names right now, it just talks about all of the uh, recent news of everything. So you have to do a Google trick where you say, 
Um, give me a, a specific date range. So I say go back to January 1, 2000 up through uh, September, <clears throat> excuse me, up through September 2022, so a year ago, and mm-hmm. look for that that name combination. So just ignore the last year with all these allegations coming out. And there are numerous uh, references, but I don't have time to uh, read through them while we're recording. But and, in and, what and context? What's the, what's the connection? Um, that brand was a fall a devotee or i i want to say from from what was in my memory that he was to some degree but i don't know if it was just a matter of do what thou wilt and that's the whole of the law which he certainly was doing that or if there was something more deep about it or some of the symbology he was wearing there there were i want to say there were definite occult connections but i may be making a mistake the guy the guy the guy was civilly married to katie perry who's just openly luciferian so oh, that's, that's a, a big that, that's another item that, that's in the proof big, set yeah yeah she's the one who's trying to steal that um i think it's a carmelite monastery in in california it's some i thought she did know, gor- in, in los angeles did, yeah yeah and and i think i want i want to say that the bergolian anti-church handed it to her on a silver platter and was absolutely delighted to to stick it to believing catholic contemplative nuns so yeah talk about a sham marriage i mean the the Katy perry russell brand thing i saw i saw something on youtube about that when i was doing a little bit of research for the show where apparently she was having a film crew follow her um for whatever concert she was doing and she got the the breakup text it was that's how their marriage ended uh is that russell sent her a text to break up while she was heading to the stage to do a show, she's acting all emotional and broken up. And then within 30 seconds, game face on and she does her concert. It's like, that's not normal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to put it no, mildly, it that's, I'm not going to say it's completely preternatural, but that was not normal. Let's say at least narcissistic, psychopathic. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and you say at, le- at least Brand had the had the class to send her a text message. Do you know Do you know what Megan Smarkle did when she left her her husband? Uh, what's his name? Trevor Ingelson, the Jewish guy. You know how um, Trevor Ingelson found out that 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 Smarkle was divorcing him? Probably on in the newspaper. Nope, she FedExed him her wedding ring. That's pretty low, man. That's talk about talk about narcissistic, sociopathic, psychopathic. I'll wow. bet I'll bet you anything that is not so uncommon though for for women yeah. who leave uh, who leave their marriages to be well. I mean, not not to say that women are cold in general, but uh, just saying that that women today are. That's, now, that's a the lot point. of a lot yeah. of them are, but I don't want to make a generalization about broads. I'm sorry, I don't want to make a, jo- a broad generalization. <laughs> um, I would not be surprised well <laughs> if simply mailing or FedExing a ring is 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 uh, a common thing. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that on Markle as being anything um, unique. I don't think she's got the brain power to be unique, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, among among that group and that cadre and that cabal of people, I yeah, I'm sure she's not the first one to have done it. Certainly, but you know, you you would think that if you were that if you were Harry that. As soon as you heard that she broke up with her husband by FedExing the wedding ring back to him, you would say, hmm, (laughs) 
maybe something's wrong here, but Harry is a poor dear. Um, by all reports, he's just dumber than a than a bag of hammers. So, <sighs> but it's getting harder and harder to feel to feel sorry for him because he just you know, keeps, he keeps uh, doing it to himself. And at a certain point, you just have to throw up your hands and say, okay, we were, we were trying to give you the benefit of the doubt here, bud, but can't really do it anymore. So there it is. Maybe he just doesn't care. Yeah. He's, he's had a history of depression and all that kind of stuff. So maybe something fatalistic. I mean, his, his mom was murdered. I mean, I mean, the one good thing, not this good, but uh, there was a meme. I don't know if I sent this to you, but um, talking about, um, uh, it was Queen Elizabeth staring like daggers out of her eyes, looking at Meghan Markle. And it's like the face mm-hmm. you make when you're making mental plans to have somebody off in a car accident. And then you remember you already did that. Yeah. It's um, what a train wreck family. But we had a, when, when, uh elizabeth ii died did we did we podcast about it? i know i wrote a big essay about you know this oh she was so wonderful she's the worst monarch in the history of humanity she presided over the most thorough and rapid collapse of a society civilization and and nation in human history it, it just boggles my mind that ev- that everyone including like trad catholics oh the queen was so wonderful queen signed off on everything abortion uh no fault divorce killing alfie evans killing alfie evans um, i'm pretty sure we did i think we did podcast about that at least once yeah yeah we we were talking about that while that was all happening that was what 2017 or 18 when they were you know, there was two of them. There was Alfie Evans, and then there was another little boy before. They killed two of them, one in two successive years, I think. And yep, it's um, she could have saved. She could have saved his life. She could have saved his life, and couldn't be bothered. Could not be bothered. And her and her, and we talked about what just train wrecks all of her children are. Family is a complete train wreck just an embarrassment after an embarrassment after embarrassment and that these people have the temerity to refer to themselves queen elizabeth and and now uh and now charles they have the temerity to refer to themselves as defenders of the faith it's just it's sickening it's absolutely sickening well they don't say which faith exactly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well the implication it's that anglican train wreck oh and she signed off on all the the female female clergy and and sodomite clergy and it's just absolutely disgusting just disgusting oh well that was a tangent (laughs) i was gonna say i don't know who's been who's been a better example in the last 10 years of any kind of monarchy anywhere I mean, it, at least, hmm. and I, I, I really don't want to give them credit, but at least they kind of do something. But then again, now that I say that, what exactly have they done? Are there any monarchs yeah. outside of Saudi Arabia that actually do anything? Um, Brunei, I think the Sultan of Brunei actually administers his state. But I think he's also, you know, he's got like a massive harem or something like that and is 
just extra super duper creepy, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been the Freemasonic project to completely destroy monarchy qua monarchy. And, you know, with ultimately with the ultimate target, of course, as we've talked about before at length, being the papacy, that's what all of it has been driving towards. That's a good question. Are there any monarchs that actually do anything on Earth? I'm going to say Brunei, the Saudis, what, what's what's Dubai and the Emirates and all that? Is that is that a monarchy or is it just an oligarchy? It might just be an oligarchy. Um, I don't know what Emirates, I mean, I, I don't know the, the, the structure there. I, I, I think it's just an oligarchy. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. I think Nepal, I think Nepal is a functioning monarchy and the monarch administers. So... Yeah, I think that's about it. That's all that's left. If the if the listenership knows, let us know. <laughs> yeah, e- email functioning monarchies at barnhart.biz and we'll we'll cover it on a future episode. Wasn't Nepal? Isn't that owned by China? Yeah. Or no, that's Tibet. Sorry, that's Tibet. That's Tibet. Yeah. No, Nepal is still sovereign for now. <laughs> well, talking about monarchs, somebody talking about memes. Also, somebody just sent a meme recently about. The monarch of Spain being the legitimate or apparently the heir apparent to the Holy Roman Emperor. And my question is, is the dude even Catholic? Um he's he's in an he's an in an illegitimate marriage. Um what's her name? Queen Letizia or whatever her name is. She's his she's his second wife. So it's all very I, the the line that I follow that looks that looks like it has the best argument is um, the Duke of Anjou in France. Um, he has a beautiful family, seems to be a practicing Catholic, and his claim. If there's lots of videos about this on YouTube, you can look up of who who is the rightful heir and so on and so forth. And um, it looks like the Duke of Anjou has has the best claim to it right now um but oh what did it were what did it were i mean you know the the holy roman emperor has been has been elected that has been done in history so everybody just got together and said okay who are who who's the best man for the job here and they would elect um when needed so they kind of had this built-in um rebooting capability where they were this hybrid of being elected but um, also with, with hereditary aspects, but Wait, was there hereditary aspects though? Because I thought that was one of the genius moves of the Holy Roman empire or the, the way the, the, uh, holder of the Holy Roman empire was passed down is that it was, uh, the electors from all the different, um, kingdoms and where whoever qualified to be an elector, you elected whoever's going to be next and hereditary, uh, reign had no apps, had no right whatsoever. Mm. And even I don't if, think that's even, the case. Even if, you know, um trying to come up with a good fake name here. But let's just say um Charlie the Second was was just an awesome Holy Roman Empire. And his son was quite awesome as well. There's no reason to elect him. There was no there there was no obligation to elect him. You may or may not, but you you might decide, hey, that that dude in South Bavaria that that's coming up. He's a, he'd be a better well, candidate. I was just going to say, well, the, the Duke of Bavaria, that's who is referred to as being the hereditary, the one that's in line hereditarily for Holy Roman Emperor, 
problem is, is that he is a raging sodomite who is faux married to another man. So, I mean, it's, it's cl it clearly can't be him. And we're clearly into um, a rebooting situation. Um, but then the question is, is you look at all of the other nobility and aristocracy of Europe, and there's literally, you could count on one hand the number of people that are within the European aristocracy and or nobility that are not just absolute raging godless psychopaths. So again, you get to this problem and it's, it's, it's the same thing that's mirrored in the church and this huge problem that we have right now in the church is you look at the College of Cardinals and it's exactly the same thing. You can count the Catholic Cardinals basically at this point on, on one hand. Certainly the ones of voting age, you could count on one hand. Um, and so that's the problem that you find yourself in is that, you know, all the rhetoric about the Great Reset, well, you know, not the World Economic Forum, not the Klaus Schwab Clinton Global Initiative Great Reset, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Great Reset. We need the Great Reset, first of all, in the church, in the Vatican, so that we can get somebody, you know, so we can get the Sea of Peter occupied once again, legitimately. And um, then there needs to be a great reset, obviously, in terms of secular governance and reestablishing monarchies and getting people of sufficient intelligence, gravitas and morality in positions of authority and power through through monarchical situations, because there's no way if, if, if you're still sitting out there and um, deluding yourself into thinking that democracy is anything other than a complete and total disaster and a satanic plot from the beginning put just just you know give give the power to the mob all you have to do is control the mob and brainwash the mob and then you've got you've just got power forever that's exactly the game that bergoglio is playing with this sin nod that they're getting ready to start um the whole night it's it's and it's the same thing listen to what these people are saying we have to keep giving billions and billions and billions of dollars and we have to kill every man in ukraine and then start burning through every man in poland and lithuania we have to just kill everybody in in eastern europe and then maybe maybe we'll even start killing the germans too just perpetual war perpetual war and why do they keep keep saying we have to do this for democracy we have to save democracy 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 meanwhile the the people in hawaii have 700 bucks after their entire world gets incinerated but just billions and billions and billions to keep this war going and let's open another front in africa and let's open another front in armenia and let's open another front in taiwan um, at this point, I'm almost hoping that they'll do something in Taiwan, because as again, the listenership, and especially the demographic, I, I know who you are, you're, you're kind of older, skewing towards males. And you don't want to be hearing this. But if the United States attempts to go to war with China over there in Taiwan, anywhere in that area, the United States of America is going to last a few hours. We do not have any sort of capacity. We do not have any ability to generate munitions, much less generate 
warships or airplanes or anything else. We have lost all of that capacity. We have, it's estimated we have about a week's worth of munitions and then zero capacity to make any more. I was going to say, it take, it would be the first 72 hours that decides everything. Yep. And it, and, and it, it, it would be all upon, over. Yeah. It depends upon who's out there and what assets we're able to hit. Uh, with regard to Taiwan, if China really wanted to take it, they could. It would, mm -hmm. it would be expensive in terms of life. I think the ideal But scenario they would take it. Yeah. They would take it. They have they have the men to burn. They're willing to burn them. They have three hundred million too many too many breeding age men. They're absolutely delighted and they're a bunch of psychopaths. They're absolutely delighted to kill a bunch of men. Um, they're willing to do it. So yeah, super nerd, you're absolutely right. The first 48 to 72 hours would look kind of sexy in terms of the United States and, you know, oh, look, shock and awe and all this. After that, it was like, okay, the Chinese are like, all right, that, that's the first round. Let's go to round two. Ding, ding. And the United States is completely toasted, completely finished. Also, let us hasten to remind everyone that the flag officer corps is basically a bunch of woke libtards at this point whose main priority is getting as many sodomites and cross-dressers into the united states military as possible and women okay so we have no legitimate fighting force you put the fat diabetic sodomitical severely mentally ill, um, you know, American, American military force, and then compare that to the, the People's Liberation Army, the Chinese army, it's, it's not even close. It's not even close. The Americans are done. That's, that's comparing the official political structure of the military versus all the kids who know how to play video games and will be controlling all the drones. They're, those are two separate things, and they can coexist. I think the question is going to be, who's, who makes the first strike? Because the only way the U.S. has a chance, in the U.S. And, and whatever allies we have at this point, is if we are perfectly prepositioned to intercept and destroy whatever attack the Chinese have. But the advantage of the Chinese is they can just sit around and wait for us to further disintegrate and wait to catch yeah. us out of position and make the first hit. And then, but then here's where I come back to, just as you were saying that, I was struck by what I now call Barnhart axiom number four. And Barnhart axiom number four is, if tactical World War III breaks out, the worst possible thing that could happen for humanity and the world is for the Washington DC regime to win. So, you know, you start talking about that, about we, and what we're going to do against China and all that. And if you're saying that from the base premise that you would actually be rooting for the United States or the Washington DC regime, better said, is the United States doesn't exist anymore. If, you, if you're operating from the base premise as given that you would be rooting for the Washington DC regime to win, I have a I have a visceral base level problem with that. I I don't want the Washington DC regime to win. That would be terrible. It would be the worst thing that could happen because it would just mean abortion everywhere, sodomy everywhere, 
trans transvestitism everywhere you know they they're they're not going to be satisfied just chopping off the genitals of the children of the libs in new england and and san francisco and los angeles they want to go after everybody's children including the chinese including the indians including the africans it's this is a this is a religion it's a blood sacrifice religion and you know the pot who and who is ultimately satan is never satisfied there's never enough blood there's never enough child sacrifice that you can do to ever possibly satiate um the the pot satan so you know it's <laughs> it's never going to end um so remember barnhart axiom number four the worst possible thing that could happen is if those bastards in washington dc were to actually win anything well i was a thinking of it from the point of view of having been a U.S. Navy sailor in the past and having a general right. idea of what our warfighting capabilities are versus what the Chinese capability is and having as much of an idea of what our stealth capability is that's unclassified. I mean, yeah, so assuming we don't lose our stealth jets because they fly off on their own in South Carolina, that's a separate issue. <laughs> you, know, you know what I think happened there. I think that thing was hacked and that either the pilot realized that the pilot was no longer flying the aircraft and ejected or whoever hacked the aircraft ejected the pilot and that and that's what that was. I don't think it's the latter simply because if the if the pilot wasn't missing his legs then it was not an ejection without him knowing it because part of the part of the protocol when you eject is you've got to pull your limbs in because if you eject without pulling your your legs in you get them chopped off at the knees oh okay and you don't even Good have to, to be a giant human being for that it's just it's a cramped space you've got to pull mm -hmm. your 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 limbs in hit the eject handles and, and and go at that point but no if if some hacker got control of the plane and ejected the pilot dude's gonna bleed out oh okay Okay. Not not a good, not so a good then, scenario. My working theory is that the pilot knew it was it was hacked and and bugged out. Well, there was something about weather, but yeah, the 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 plane wreckage was found like eighty miles from where he ejected, and the plane mm -hmm. was on autopilot. Yep. And there are a lot of questions. I mean, the, the Marines immediately grounded all of their F-35s at that point. Exactly. They grounded the entire fleet worldwide. Why would you ground an entire fleet? If, if it was, you know, just a one-off thing that was caused by weather or a, a malfunction on that specific jet or, blah, or, or pilot error or anything else, why do you ground the entire fleet? Probably because the operating system has been, has been hacked and the Chinese have it and the Chinese can, can log right in and take over the stick. Yeah, severity won't exploit. A known zero day that you've got to ground every, everything until you can patch it and hope that the Chinese aren't already in the loop and know of two or three more zero days. And that's the other thing, too. If we do go to war against the Chinese, I, I shudder to think what kind of exploits they already know about. And, and these, these yeah. F-35s, F-22s, and all the advanced things, even the F-18s, the, the not-so-advanced in, in the greater scheme of things, their radar systems are both sensors and communication systems. And I think I talked about this on a previous podcast. If there are known exploits to these systems, 
and the Chinese think that, oh, we're actually going to war at this point, they broadcast exploits on the on the radar channels to make all the planes start beaconing all of a sudden, and then they launch missiles on those things. Mm-hmm. It's not far-fetched. I mean, these, these yep. planes are flying supercomputers. Yeah. And you've got Hunter um, and and the big guy, obviously in the pay of the Chinese Communist Party. And I'm not being facetious when I say, what the hell has Hunter Biden given to them? I mean, these people, these people are ob- observably, observably, they are traitors, observably. So the question has to be asked, how did, how did the Chinese get that information now? Do they have spies? Of course, they have spies everywhere. But remember, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are their two best spies. So the, the, the question has to be asked, what the hell, what the hell is on that laptop? And I, I would it, not even say they're the best spies. I mean, Eric Swalwell was giving away all of what he knew to the Chinese. Yeah. There were known incursions at least six times over in Los Alamos uh, labs. And those are, that's one of the areas where they develop the nuclear weapons. Actually, mm-hmm. we should ask Radioactive Rich because he probably knows more about what goes on there than we do. But um, they, the Chinese have infiltrated everything. I mean, yeah. you, you know roughly, not too far from where you live, if you tune into 104.7 FM, you hear Chinese on the radio. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's coming out of wow. it's coming out of Lawrence, Kansas. I think it's part of the, the Confucius Institute there. But mm-hmm. uh, it's one of these things like, what the heck is Chinese radio doing in Northeast Kansas? Twenty five miles from Fort Leavenworth. Twenty five miles from the little the little Pentagon. Great, I wouldn't fantastic. Worry about, I wouldn't worry about Leavenworth. I mean, if, if if the quality of officers coming out of there is anything like the Naval Academy officers I saw in the early nineties. That's nothing to worry about. Yeah. They're all, they were moral degenerates 30 years ago. It was all Fort Leavenworth. All the flag officers were swingers and wife swapping parties and complete moral degeneracy. No, it's it, the, the best and brightest in the United States have not been entering any sort of government or military service of any kind for decades. I think we're, we've cycled all the way through. I thought, I think the last of any sort of a generation of admirable, competent, top quality men having any involvement in the United States military or any of the government agencies or any or obviously any of the intelligence agencies. Oh, I think they've they've cycled out just exactly like it is with the church, you know. There's there's only a few 90 some year old cardinals left and and two or three or four maybe under the age of 80 who are left in the college of cardinals it's the same thing it's the attrition of time it's the it's the biological war that's that's constantly going on and there has been nothing in the pipeline nothing good in the pipeline coming up well it's the political rot of of the system as well i mean even even the Mm -hmm. the handful of um quality graduates from the u.s service academies would probably agree that the absolute best officers in the in the military these days did not come from Annapolis or West Point or yeah. um, Air Force Academy. I don't, I don't know where that's located, uh, somewhere in Colorado. But uh, the the they are the exceptions. If you if you're a ring knocker and you're a good officer, you are an exception. the The best mm-hmm. officers came from ROTC. They they or they came from um, whatever whatever the program is called. Uh, Seaman to Admiral is what it was called when I was in the Navy. 
where uh, qualified enlisted people were direct commissioned and then, and then had the chance to get their degree later on. And some of these people rose to high ranks. A lot of them were SEALs. Some of them weren't. But um, the absolute best officers did not come from, you know, the finishing school in, in Maryland or, or the, yeah. the government uh, Vote Tech in, in West Point. They, they came from normal uh, areas and, and it was the absolute exception. I mean, I, I, I know, I'm, not, I'm not making any joke about this. Even in the early 90s, I, I was applying to go to the Naval Academy and I got, got onto active duty in the, in the Navy as an enlisted guy and then saw what was coming out of the Naval Academy in terms of officers. And with mm-hmm. one exception, I looked at them all and said, you guys are screwballs. I don't want to be anything. I don't want to have anything to do with you guys. Yep, Exactly. And the other thing to remember is that there's been massive attrition where if there were any decent officers who were actually on a career track and and in the pipeline, many of them bugged out and said, no, it's not worth it. I'm going to do my 20 years and I'm going to get out. And a lot of them were getting out as majors or lieutenant colonels, because once you get full bird colonel, then you have to start doing that thing where you're you have to be just absolutely groveling to some member of Congress or something, because that's how you have to have a congressional sponsor in order to be considered to be a flag officer. And so then it just becomes absolutely disgusting, disgusting political operatives who are rising to the rank of of flag officer is nothing to do with any sort of competence, uh, common sense, gravitas, nothing it's and and as we all have now very well had the lesson taught to us what that meant is that you had to be groveling to the military industrial complex and the fact that look this is this is a this is a profit this is a for-profit situation we need to be constantly at war preferably in multiple locations um uh, around the world and we need to be constantly shooting money and um and providing contracts to the military industrial complex and you need to be on board with this so you need to understand that when we go into these theaters that the objective is not to win all right how much of a psychopathic piece of crap do you have to be to get on board with the notion of going to war getting getting american boys killed and explicitly knowing fully consciously that victory is not and must not be is not the objective and must not be accomplished how much of an absolute moral degenerate do you have to be to go along with something like that so yeah the ones who were decent human beings they quit they're out man they're they're sia and they're starting their second career so that's and, where and the are. ones that that try to advance on merit, I almost threw John Boyd into this group, but then I realized no, he only made Colonel, and he didn't even try to go any further, and it was a slog for him to get there. The only ones that come to mind who who didn't play some kind of political game and got a, a flag officer role was Hyman Rickover. And, and feel by the way, definitely email me if you can think of somebody else who breaks this mold. But uh, Hyman Rickover was the was the father of the nuclear navy. And his his role in in creating the the nuclear military or the the nuclear propulsion system, uh, or yeah, the, the the nuclear navy basically. And I'm not talking about warheads. I'm talking about propulsion systems, Th- subs and was, carriers. Yeah, subs and carriers and, and cruisers for a while. 
but that that it was such a massive strategic advantage to the U.S. that that uh, popular outcry, even among Congress, said we have to make this guy an admiral over the objections of all the admirals in the Navy. So it, it, it's it's extremely rare that somebody gets to flag officer simply on merit without playing any political games. And good grief! I mean, that there you mentioned people doing their twenty and getting out. There are people not even getting to twenty and, and punching yeah. out, walking yep. away from gigantic. Um, uh, retirement packages. Yeah. Simply because they're not going to be part of this game anymore. They're 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 not going to go along with all the wokeness. They're not going to take a jab. They're not going to um, affirm somebody's um, fake sexuality. They're they're mm-hmm. they're not going to be a part of this crap anymore. And and yeah, I well, agree. and they they see it's a losing. They see it's a losing proposition, and they don't want to be on a losing team. They don't want to be associated with that. And, you know, for their own personal pride, they want to say, I, I was no I was no part of that. I saw it. I saw it for what it was. And I left. So, Or, or they came to the yeah. same conclusion you did. It's the former United States. I don't yeah. want to support this anymore. And I'm yep. sorry I ever did. Yep. The, the oath that I took basically is now is now void because the Constitutional Republic no longer exists and the constitution that i swore to preserve protect and defend is clearly no longer in force and so therefore what what the heck are we doing so yeah and the trials that the senior officers in the military face these days it's even worse than the church militant uh there's a bishop down in texas who I don't, has, is it official now that he's been called to resign and said no or that's just his signal that he's no, he's going to say no no, he said that if he, if he is asked to resign, he will not. So what he's saying is, is Rome, you have to fire me, which again, oh, the joys of going through life operating on a false base premise. Um, so Bergoglio stri- strictly isn't the Pope. Speaking, strictly speaking, Strickland is saying, no, I'm not leaving. He's saying he's saying you'll have to fire me if you ask for my resignation. I will not submit it. You have to fire me straight up. Um, Bergoglio, of course, isn't the Pope and therefore has absolutely no authority to fire Strickland or anyone else. And this is the problem. This is why we have to operate from a true base premise. You can't half-ass it. You have to get it completely, totally right, because if you're even just half wrong, then your your logical truth table is going to start yielding results that appear to be true, namely Bergoglio has the authority to fire Bishop Strickland, let's say. And that is not true. That is false. That is why it is absolutely essential to get this 100% right. It's not good enough to say, well, we need to just get, you know, this little victory over here, this little victory over there. No, no, that isn't. Not only is that not good enough, in a certain sense, it makes it worse because it just it just leads to more and more and more chaos. You've got to get back to the base premise. Pope Benedict Ratzinger never validly canonically resigned. It's obvious. He said in non solum propter, I'm resigning the active ministry of the governance of the church. February 27th at his quote unquote last audience in in the St. Peter's Square. He said the always is also a forever. I'm not leaving. I am remaining within the enclosure of St. Peter, just in a different role, in a prayerful contemplative role, but I'm staying. 
it is it's the most glaringly obvious thing in the world and this whole thing with it's really picked up over about the last i don't know what it's been week week and a half something like that trad inc is just pitting on all cylinders just as we're getting ready to go into this this satanic luciferian anti-church synod thing um where make no mistake they're gonna do something he stacked the whole thing with faggots okay so faggots and dykes and so they're gonna issue something where they're blessing sodomites they're blessing people who are engaging in sodomy and define their relationship by the fact that they engage in sodomy clearly an ape of the sacrament of holy matrimony clearly even if it's not going to be called holy matrimony it's clearly an aping of that and the fact that it's just giving any church sanction whatsoever to butt sex i mean let let's call a spade a spade here people that's what this is you need to wake up and stop and stop thinking that these sodomites are people who love and care about each other you it, you don't do things like that to anybody that you care about you do things like that to someone that you hate including yourself first and foremost so sodomy is a dynamic of hatred anger hatred jealousy and and fear the the demonic emotional palate the diabolical narcissist palate getting ready to ratify that okay and getting ready to um do something to ape the sacrament of holy orders and and trick the world into thinking that there are going to be now lady deacons or something like that and that's all of course driving towards that's driving towards ultimately fake ordaining women to the priesthood and also don't forget this also is also tied in with all of the the tranny stuff it's a miracle that you haven't had a priest a validly ordained priest yet come forward and say i'm transitioning therefore i now identify as a woman but of course i'm a validly ordained priest so whoops here we go here here's your female ordination here's your female priest it's it's just a matter of time before that happens and don't think for a second that that isn't clearly clearly on their on their list of objectives i mean talk about something that would just be utterly completely destructive in the minds of 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 the human beings walking around on this planet to look at something like that happening and saying well this is this is clearly a complete farce with all of those people thinking that it's the catholic church when of course it isn't the whole time oh i'm gonna um, put, i'm gonna put my money on that one it's gonna be father robert belisar sj he's gonna be the one to become yeah. father roberta belisar yeah I, i'm, I'm putting my money on it now yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. I've posted on him. B-E-L-L-A-C-E-R. Use the search function on barnhart.biz. It works really well. Um, just type Belisare, S-J, into the search function. The guy is already halfway operating in drag on, on the internet and making the most unbelievably sickening pornographic uh posts and and references and again i i have that post if you want to if you want to look and see what this guy is about and what he's doing and you know they they brought him to rome and they just love him to death and he's installed there in in the jesuit headquarters piazza del Gesù, or wherever it is he's living there right in the center of rome and he's all over social media and isn't this great absolutely and the other thing that this this sin nod is going to attempt to do is going to attempt to abolish um 
priestly celibacy. Um, and yes, priests should not be married. The East is wrong on this. They went off the tracks, you know, all at the same time with the, the relaxation of priestly celibacy in the East was basically coincident with them going off the tracks with regards to Rome and everything else. All these heresies go together. And the procession of the Trinity, which that even, that was the original problem in the East is say, saying that the Holy Ghost does not proceed from the Father and the Son. I mean, it's just, it's madness. It's, it's so obvious. It's, but, you know, <laughs> um, so they're going to attempt to um, abolish priestly celibacy so that you've got, you've got, they, and they already have this through the, the so-called quote-unquote permanent deacons. All these men that they're bringing into the Novus Ordo and ordaining as quote-unquote permanent deacons, most of these men are continuing, continuing to be sexually active with their wives. The only, the only condition that's put on them is that if their wife dies, they cannot remarry, and they all agree to that. What these men later find out, you know, when people like me write about it and they see this and the same thing with Anglican uh, Anglican priests who come over and are and are validly ordained as Catholic priests um, and become functioning Catholic priests, but they're allowed, but they're married. No one ever tells these guys perfect perpetual continence. You cannot be on the altar offering the holy sacrifice, espoused to Christ, performing this nuptial sacrificial act, and then you were having sex with your wife, you know, hours before, you know, Saturday night fun time, and then permanent deacon goes and serves on the altar on Sunday. So the Novus Ordoites have already been conditioned to this idea of sexually active men, men who are espoused to Jesus Christ and his holy church through major orders, um, being on the altar and everything's great and, and everybody, it's completely understood that these men are continually to be sexually active. It's adultery. <laughs> it's adultery. You can't, you can't have that. It, it, it belies a complete lack of understanding of the nature of holy orders and the nature of the holy sacrifice of the mass and it's it's an absolute disaster so the the pump has been primed for that now they're going to come into the thing they're saying well you know the way to solve all this problems of of all this child molestation and you hear trad say this the way to solve the problems of all this homosexual infiltration of the priesthood and all of this child molestation is we have to have we have to have a married priest. We have to have sexually active heterosexual priests. You have to let priests be sexually active. And Satan is squealing with delight like a little piggy just squealing and squealing and squealing with delight because that's exactly what he wants. He wants he wants the whole understanding of the church the mass and the priesthood to be completely collapsed and if you if you want to do that the way you do that is you abolish um you abolish priestly celibacy so that's what they're going to do so you know wait where did this start where were we going with this i was gonna say i don't uh, know what trads are saying that <laughs> they're certainly not in my parish but oh i hear it all the time i see it all the time you see it in com boxes like at the remnant or 
or any any trad website that has comments, you'll have somebody pipe up and chime in and say, we got, we've got to get this celibacy abolished and we've got to get heterosexuals back into the priesthood. Well, if it's, well, only, I in agree. Com- if it's only in com boxes, that doesn't matter because those are fake people anyway. Well, yes and no. I hear your point. I absolutely hear your point. But I don't think that these are algorithmic bots or anything like this. I think there are pew sitters who, who believe this. Um, I agree that you, <laughs> I obviously agree that you have to get heterosexual men back into the priesthood, but you don't do it by shredding the entire edifice. Um, it, is, it is not too much to ask a human being to be celibate and perfectly continent and perfectly chaste. The, the notion that it is just some absolute torture that is completely unreasonable to ask of anyone ever to not have sex for your entire life. This is, this is just a, a, an indication of how far gone our society is, that this, this pornography that we live in, that people honestly think that there's just, there's nothing else to life, that you have to be engaging in genital acts or else you're li- you have no quality of life, et cetera, et cetera. What, a, what an absolutely ridiculous lie. And that that goes for men too. Go ahead. That's that's projection. I mean, any yeah. addict is going to project on anybody else who doesn't share their addiction that it's exactly. impossible for those people to not engage in what they do. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It yep. could be sex. It could be chocolate. It could be watching yep. Star Wars. It could be anything. Yep. It just absolutely completely boggles the mind of the addict that somebody could live without that and the simple answer is of course we can sure we can it, it's a combi- also, it's, a, it's a combination of being rational and having control of yourself you, people yeah. are either controlled inwardly through virtue or outwardly through force it's yeah, your choice absolutely. which one it's going to be and unfortunately in the world right now everyone's choosing externally through force which is why we have people like the brain dead putative president that we have right now being in control and he's not in control of anything. It's, it's the, the satanic minions behind him who are doing everything and it's no better if Trump gets in whatsoever. Yep. Same song, second verse, or in this case, what third or fourth verse is what it'll be. And I just want to quickly go back and make the point that um, you were saying, you know, we lumped, we lumped sex in with all of these, you know, terrible, these terrible sins and terrible vices, just want to reiterate and make the point, this is, this is why this is, why Satan goes so hard after sex. Sex is obviously not 100% bad. It, it is, it is easily perverted, and it is easily twisted into sin. But good grief, let's remember, folks, this is the way that human life is transmitted. This is how every single one of us came into the world. And it's, it's also the means by which the sacrament of holy matrimony is sealed and consummated and renewed. How, how can you tell me that something that is, that is literally part of an act that is part of one of the sacraments of the church is an, is an intrinsically evil thing? So just make sure that you have that, that nuance, that capacity for nuanced thought the reason that sex is almost entirely a part of a negative discussion amongst us these days is because Satan has just had an absolute field day 
in attacking it and twisting it and perverting it so that we, we are all just constantly inundated with horrible, negative, mortally sinful um, manifestations of sex. But we all, all of us, including, you know, celibates like me and, and everyone else, we all have to remember it's not all bad. It's, it's how babies get made and it's how marriage is, is sealed. And so we can't turn into these bizarro Puritans um, on the other side. Remember, you can always go off in the ditch on, on one side of the road or the other. The, the challenge is staying on the road and in your lane. And, you know, I think people, people go off in the ditch on, on the right, on the, um, on the political right or the, on the theological right. They go off into that ditch quite a bit when it comes to sex. So just reminding everybody of that. But it is the number one attack vector that gets souls yes. into hell. And Our Lady has revealed this on multiple yep. occasions. It's the yep. sins of the flesh that send most people to hell. And yep. it, it's also a reality that Satan is going to use the easiest temptations first to knock the most people out. He's not mm -hmm. going to reveal the most complex, most difficult temptations first. He's going to save those until you're on your deathbed. Yeah. He's going to go after pride if you don't fall to... Uh, sins of the flesh, he's going mm -hmm. to go after the more complex uh, sins of regret, show you all the opportunities you missed, everything like Despair. that. Way yeah. more yeah. advanced temptations if you don't fall to other things. Again, the, the phrase borrowing from a priest that I know, Satan has his plans for the pious. If you're not falling to the, to the, um, to the carnal sins, it's not like Satan's going to say, oh, darn, I lost this one. Yeah, no, exactly. He's going to flip to chapter two and go after you on the next level. Yep, exactly. And by the way, there's like eight more chapters after that, and that's just book one. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well said. Excellent reminder. So what was our, what was that topic? Did we exhaust it or? <laughs> Did Str we actually oh, Strickland. Strickland. It? Yeah, actually the, it was Strickland. And what's the deal with him saying, I'm not going to resign. And so Bishop Strickland, if you're listening, no, because Bergoglio isn't the Pope and you've got to get it right. Well, and that was going to be one of my questions on a scale of one to 10, um, mm -hmm. one being no and 10 being absolutely what is the chance that Bishop Strickland will refuse to resign because Bergoglio isn't the Pope? And why is the answer sub-20? Why, why is it? What are the odds that he will refuse to resign because Bergoglio is not the Pope? And why is it sub-20? I Why? It's, it's sub-1. It's probably epsilon above zero. I don't know if he's aware of the arguments. It wouldn't surprise me if he is um, by now. I would have to think that that almost everyone is, but then you know those people have a have a massive talent for burying their heads in the sand and not and not engaging and not engaging reality and not engaging the data set. Um, well, we talked about flag officers in the military, um, bishops yeah. in the church are political animals as well. They don't get there simply on merit, especially in this day and age. And you made the comment, yeah. "Hey, Bishop Strickland, if you're listening." Um, if he is, then my badly set up joke there about why it's sub 20, if he's actually listening, it's somewhere between zero and 10, but yeah. I don't think he's listening. Uh, probably not. Probably not. But a lot of people in his diocese are. And so 
you know, but that these people, they're all the same. You, you try to initiate, not that I've tried to initiate any conversation with Bishop Strickland, I have not, but just all of these people, you try to initiate conversations with him and say, look, let, let's sit down. Let me show you the text of non solum propter. Let me show you the text of the February 27th, last audience. Let me show you the text of canon law. Let me show you the Ganswine speech from May of 2016, if, the, if you're not already convinced from the other stuff, which you should be from the other stuff. And you just get this glazed over, well, no, that's all ridiculous. Well, no, it isn't. It isn't ridiculous. And we can't be gaslit. Okay? Y'all listening who think that all you have to do is come at me and, you know, us and all of the, the pew sitters who have cotton to what's going on here and think that you can just say, well, that's ridiculous. And that's going to accomplish anything. We know it's not ridiculous. We're, we're as serious as pancreatic cancer here, folks. This is obvious. It's glaringly obvious. And one of the benefits of being, you know, on solid footing uh, and, you know, fully inside the church and receiving the sacraments and availing yourself of the sacraments and hopefully doing it well, one of, one of the benefits to that is that when you're standing on a firm foundation like that, you can't, you can't be gaslit, you can't be thrown off balance. You know, nobody could come at me and say, well, what you're saying, Anne, is just absolutely ridiculous. I'm just going to stare you in the face and say, no, it isn't ridiculous. It's, it's objective reality. It's objective, observable reality. And if you'd like to sit down and talk about it, I can sit down and talk about it with you for hours. Because at this point, the data set is hours and hours and hours long. And I just posted a few hours ago on the blog... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a part three video and it, it makes sense. It's not that I particularly want to, goodness knows, but it makes sense for me to do a part three video on the Bergolian anti-papacy because guys, believe it or not, the part two one is over four years old. <laughs> the part two was done in 2019 when we were all young and innocent and Pope Benedict was, was still alive. The fact that Pope Benedict has died and that we are now in an interregnum set of vacante that's 200, 200 and some odd days old, this absolutely needs to be addressed. And now just, just the fact that all of these tradding people are um, all of a sudden, right before the Senate, this is what blows my mind. Why would you go on some massive campaign to try to gaslight all of the pew-sitting Catholics, and it's, it's about a ratio of two to one. Frank Walker did a poll in June um, just, just to see, okay, Pope Benedict has been dead for six months. Has, has, have the demographics of the pew-sitters in the Anglosphere changed? What, what do they, where, where do they stand on this? And it was basically 60% said the see is vacant, and it has been vacant since Pope Benedict died. Um, 30% plus or minus said that Bergoglio's the Pope. And then there was, you know, the, the last 10% or so, um, were basically 
smattered between 1958 set of Vacantis and and people who are saying that they're going to the Eastern Orthodox. So it really, it hasn't, it hadn't changed that much. It was very interesting to see that to me. I thought that maybe with the death of Pope Benedict that, you know, a lot of people would, their hair would catch on fire and they say, well, I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to be a set of Acantus. But, you know, it's, we've, we've done good work. Nonveni Mark, Dr. Matza, God bless him, has done absolutely wonderful work in explaining what has gone on so that people are able to make that oh-so-important distinction between the see being vacant for 200 and some odd days since Pope Benedict died on December 31st, 2022, and the the notion that the sea has been vacant for 65 years kind, kind of a kind of a big distinction to make there so um i think a lot of people a lot of the pusiters they're they're doing their due diligence they're they're reading through this stuff they're thinking about it they're praying about it and they're coming and they're coming mostly or a lot of them are coming to the correct conclusion so that's the other thing all of this gaslighting from these trad ink people are it's designed to make you think that you're alone i got i got an email from a lady today and i won't i won't say which parish it is but it's an fssp parish and she said i'm pretty sure i'm the only one in my parish who who believes that that you know pope benedict was was the pope and they never validly resigned and i know for an absolute metaphysical certitude that that probably most of the people in that parish believe exactly the way she does it's just that still people are people are shy to talk about this they're they're afraid to bring it up um you know especially people who maybe feel like that they don't have the I don't know, the, the academic acumen to to discuss the nuances of it or the canon law aspect of, of it all, which, you know, fair enough. But what all this gaslighting is is trying to do is to try to make these people think that they're alone and you're not. You go to mass on Sunday, look around, probably half the people around you are on the same page. They're like, no, there's no way Bergoglio is the Pope. And yeah, Pope Benedict never validly resigned. It's it's that's been that's been proven 12 ways from Sunday. So, you know, don't feel like you're alone and don't feel don't fall for the gaslighting, but anything that I can do. And so hopefully if I can get this video done and just drop it right in the middle of the Synod, that would be absolutely perfect. Um, and the, I think another thing that spurred all this was the Father Altman homily in which he came out and said, Bergoglio isn't the Pope. And he, you know, he cited the heresy, which again, is wrong because what that implies is that Bergoglio was at one point um, validly elected and then lost the office. Again, this is catastrophically wrong. You have to get it right. It's not good enough to be only half right. Uh, we can't be satisfied with a with a D plus or a C minus on this. Okay, got to get it one hundred percent right. If you start making those kinds of arguments that are wrong, that Bergoglio was the Pope and then lost it, that opens up a can of worms that is A, completely unnecessary because it's false, and just increases the chaos. It just increases the chaos. We've got to get it right. The, the, the linchpin here, the pivot point on the seesaw, what all of this is turning on is Pope Benedict's canonically invalid 
attempted partial resignation. So there you go. And I thought you were going for five more minutes. Sorry. <laughs> I tell you, man, I'm sneaky. I'm always sneaking up on you. Talking about sneaky, you mentioned the uh, the person in the parish who thinks that uh, they're the only person who, who believes that Benedict was the last pope uh, at this point in time. Uh, we need like some kind of sneaky symbol that they can like wear on their lapel or something, yeah, something very low key to say, hey, um, Francis isn't the pope or Bergoglio. That's- Okay, listenership, this is this is like a, a group effort sort of a thing. Send ideas for some sort of a of a symbol that we can use to identify ourselves. And it, it needs to be something very pious and very holy. Um, well, the uh, idea that came to my mind was like a, like an olive branch or some kind of leaf symbol because that's olive was the suggestion with Benedict. Um, yeah, glory mm-hmm. the olive. I mean, mm-hmm. so, something that looks innocuous. It's the kind of thing that if you don't know what this is supposed to be, you wouldn't even notice it. What, that yeah. there's any significance to it. Hmm. Okay. So, listenership, we're tasking you with this. Send, um, send your suggestions to um, symbol s y m b o l at podcast at, at what is it Barnhart podcast? Symbol at barnhart.biz. Symbol at barnhart.biz, yes. Yeah, okay. the, that, that goes to you. Any, Every, left, everything any, that ends in barnhart.biz lands ultimately in my inbox. So Yeah, yes. it, it, you can make up whatever you want left of the at sign, but it, it, but if you make it relevant... And that way I can, can sort it. it, yeah. Yeah, we can filter it. So there you go. And we'll put that in the show notes. Yep. Um, that means I have to write it down. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Therefore, All there's right. a pause. All right. That's okay. I need to take a sip of water anyway. So, Let's see. We're only at 77 minutes. This is a short podcast. It's not quite a snack pack, but it's not quite to our normal length here. Well, that's okay. I have to get up early to go to mass. So anyway, so. And I've got that pesky thing. Feast of. um, I was going to say, I've got that pesky thing called a day job too that I need to worry about. Well, I will go to the mass for the Feast of St. Matthew for, for all of us. St. Matthew, shouldn't the mass start at 520? That'd be 1720. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so I guess we go into the wrap up at this point. The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, ideas for what the covert symbol of we know that Benedict was the last pope at the current moment. Send those ideas to podcast at barnhart.biz. Except that I, we just said that <laughs> the, the covert symbols go to symbol at Barnhart. <laughs> um, okay, just look at the show notes. That I've, I've got all, It'll I'll be in the, the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors. At least one mass every single day is said for all traditional Catholic mass is said every single day for mm-hmm. all of her benefactors, plus one traditional Catholic Latin requiem mass for everybody who died in the previous week. I have a local story to share on this one. I, I know I shared this one with you. Uh, a fa- the father of a, of a parishioner I know um, lived 80 plus years outside the Catholic Church. Uh, two days before he died, um, gave permission to wear the miraculous medal. One day before he died, he was baptized and brought into the church. Died on a Saturday. Our Lady definitely um, had his number and, and made sure that that he was brought in. So. Um, don't presume that that's going to happen, but don't despair either. Uh, these these things can be 
these things can be earned from, from what you do, but they can also be earned for others. Uh, that's, that's why it's so critical. What our lady of Fatima said, pray for sinners, especially mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of souls go to hell because nobody prays for them. So yeah. definitely keep praying for them. And part of it could be, you know, supporting them through the masses, offering, offering your, 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 your intentions for the poor souls in purgatory, offering your intentions for those who are in, in danger of, of falling into sin, um, souls who need it. Uh, mm-hmm. Leave that intention in, in Our Lady's hands. She knows who needs it. She's a good mother, and she will apply those 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 benefits as needed. And definitely, she is, in fact, the mediatrix of all graces, without a doubt. And she and she will be declared that someday, hopefully someday soon. She would have been declared that in about 1961. At Vatican II. Yep. Yeah, but um, yep. some other things happened instead, unfortunately. Please, co-redemptrix and mediatrix of all graces. Yep. Amen. But please remember to pray for the priests. Uh, the story I just told you, without the priest, I don't know the soul gets gets saved. I mean, technically anybody can baptize, but in terms of, of uh, other people who have deathbed conversions, some of them were Catholic at one point. They were definitely baptized. That mm-hmm. requires confession. And those deathbed conversions can't happen without the priests. And mm-hmm. Satan knows what the priest can do. And he wants to, he wants to take as many priests off the board as possible, whether it's through perversions or heresy or anything, please pray for the priests. They are tempted. Like you cannot believe, I mean, just, just imagine for a minute that, um, you have the, the most incurable, uncontrollable attraction to dark chocolate and you walk through a, a Russell Stover's dark chocolate store. Or you have to, or you have to live in a, in a Russell Stover store or something like that. Yeah, that is yeah. nothing compared to the temptations the priests go through. Yep. And I, I, I hope you aren't thinking this is hyperbole. And any priest who's listening knows I'm telling you the truth. They yeah. they are attacked like you cannot imagine. They are tempted every day, all day, to abandon their vocation, and yep. if they did. Spiritually speaking, we'd be screwed. So, and they're iso- a lot of them are isolated, and really don't have anyone to talk to. They certainly um, don't have a a filial relationship with their bishop. A lot of a lot of the good priests are know that their bishop hates them, and so it's not even like they could go to their bishop and talk to him about anything. So they're. Satan keeps trying to convince them that they're hemmed in and they're isolated and tempting them to despair. Oh yeah, it's a huge problem. It wasn't the Romans who came up with divide and conquer. They just got that idea from a preternatural source. So yeah, pray pray for the priests. They they absolutely need it and we absolutely need them. And don't forget our podcast patron. She's in a position that she can see all this as well and she can intercede as well. I'm talking about St. Tiny Princess, my daughter who had a severe genetic condition and was with us uh, just under a year here on this on this uh, mortal coil, and she is now in, in the beatific vision. Don't forget to invoke her. She's definitely worked some uh, interesting... Oh, you know what? There is a tiny testimonial. I forgot to put it in my show notes. I'll have to bring that for, oh. for next time. And it was a not-so-tiny okay. so not so testimonial at that, so I, I need to find this and put this in. Um, Ooh. I'm, I'm sorry that I forgot to put it in. Darn it. Well, it gives us all something to look forward to on episode 197. Fantastic. Yes. Or 198. I don't, I don't know what's coming up next because I know we've got a Mazacast coming up at some point. Um, it, it's like oh, the pre- that's right. We've got the pregame show for the for the Synod. Um, 
and, and, and so there, there's the breakdown there. And of course, typically those happen during my work day. So I can, I can queue up the recording, but I'm not part yeah. of it typically. So, yep. um, the Barnhart podcast is a value for value podcast. If you got some value out of this, whether it's entertainment, education, um, uh, a, a reassurement of sanity in anything of value yeah. and you want to return some value. Uh, you can learn how to do that either in the show notes or you can visit supernerdmedia.com where you can see the different ways that you can return some value. And since the last podcast, I would like to uh, recognize a few donors right off the top. This is a category I don't bring up very often, executive producer. Uh, and I'm stealing this concept from podcasts like <laughs> MoFax and No Agenda. It's just a, a somebody who came through with a donation who that's more than typical. And it's like, I want to recognize you first, above all, Claude. And he had the, the note OPN, which I conferred with you and we came to the conclusion we think it means ara pronobis and if that's not what it means you'll have to email me and let me know what it's supposed to mean but i like ara pronobis and yes um i'm gonna ara pro claude as well so yeah thank you claude uh giving you executive producer credits on this one um, not not that i really do that typically on, on the podcast i'm, I'm it, on, on mofax no agenda they they do that and you people will cite that on on um linkedin and and imdb uh, we don't oh, quite, really? They put that we, down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's a real thing. But um, I, we don't exactly, it, it's more honorary here. It's not literal, um, but still, thank you very much, Claude. Via the mailbox. Okay, so I mentioned on the la last podcast, I wasn't sure because I was in the middle of reorganizing my office. I didn't know if Steady Steven had sent something in because I had a big mess on my desk. Um, he didn't, but it came in like two days after that podcast. So he definitely gets yeah. credit on this one. And uh, Steady Steven, I gave him that nickname because he sends a, a, a donation every single month. It's via bank draft. It, it, it Just based on the dates, it looks like it comes in on, based on a regular schedule. As opposed to Spontaneous Steven, who sent a donation <laughs> by a non-automatic method. But uh, de definitely wanted to recognize him with a unique name. And also Rick um, of Rick James fame, he's back and he said, I heard the call. Unfortunately, we don't have a James on this one uh, via the web. I want to say thank you to Martha, who says, thanks for all you do. Um, got a donation with a note that says, let's just say it's from Katrina. So you know what, Ann? I'm just going to say it's from Katrina. I think that works. Okay. Also, thank you works. to Michael and to Susan. I mentioned Radioactive Rich. He also sent a donation, said it's, it's for date night with the wife or equipment or whatever. So um, it could be whatever this week. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. And also Paul, who says, please pray for my daughter's conversion and return to the faith. Yes, by all means. Um, I'm yes. definitely going to keep that in, in my, my prayer intentions. I will recommend that to uh, St. Tiny Princess as well. I Can I order her to pray for that as her, as her dad? I'm not sure. But I, I will recommend <laughs> it to her for sure. Um, that wraps under, up. The, under obedience, uh, under the obedience of the fourth commandment. <laughs> well, she's not under my obedience anymore. She's in heaven. Not anymore. I can Indeed. recommend it. Uh, no, definitely will. Um, but that wraps up the donation seg segment. I will pass it over to you for Matthew 1720. Keep praying, folks. Keep praying. Pray without ceasing every day. Fast twice a week if you can for the Matthew 1720 intention. Fourfold intention. First, that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified. Second, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope from April of 2005 until his death on December 31st, 2022. And for the Petrine Sea in general, that it be filled according to God's will. And yes, the fact that Pope Benedict 
was the Pope from 2005 until his death on on December 31st, 2022, absolutely matters. People who say, well, he's dead now, it doesn't matter. They are completely wrong. It 1000% matters. The truth always matters. The base premise matters, as we've discussed at length. Um, Third, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and he needs all the time that he can get to make the repentance and then to do penance on earth before he dies. All this business of praying to hasten his death and saying, I hope he dies soon, and thinking that that's some sort of a Catholic position is absolutely ridiculous. We need to get this situation uh, corrected and then do it as soon as possible so that Bergoglio has the best chance of of making it through his his particular judgment. We don't write people off. No, even, we are, we are even, not Hamlet. We're not trying to strike them down on their sins so they can go to hell. Exactly. Exactly. That is so anti-Catholic. That is so wrong. And when you hear people say this, you need to correct them on it. And finally, um, we need to pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict Ratzinger. Um, Our Lady of Copacabana, slayer of the pot Satan, pray for us. Okay, now that's three times you said that during the podcast. I'm going to go back and bleep them all out. It was 89. <laughs> what's it? What's our, what are, what were we talking? Uh, the taco mama, the taco mama. <laughs> Any, anything that, that sounds sufficiently close. I mean, it's like, yeah. the, it's like the vice president. I, I just refer to her as warden, warden Harris, because when she was the DA, she rounded up everybody and threw yep. them in jail, That's even though she's jail. supposed to be some, you know, soft on crime, uh, liberal. No, no, no. She was, she oh, was no. a witch. Yep, absolutely. So uh, the taco mama or the chalupa mama or whatever, whatever's circling back to where we started at having a sense of humor and laughing about things. The, the send, send your uh, derogatory names for, um, for the taco mama to taco mama at barnhart.biz. <laughs> and I made the Hamlet reference too. I mean, we, we, do, we don't pray for Benedict, or not, not Benedict. We don't pray for Bergoglio to die in his sin. And that, that instantly brought back to mind a, a debate that I had in senior year in high school with uh, my English professor. He was trying to make the, the point that um, Hamlet uh, saved his soul. Uh, and, and, and maybe his argument made sense, but I totally keyed on the point that he wanted to kill his, his uncle in, in, in the, uh, the heat of, of his sin. And I thought just that point alone, the malice of, of Hamlet, he burns in yep. hell as a result of that. And yep. I, I didn't get a passing grade on that one, but I didn't care. <laughs> it was, it yeah. was something It's like, you show that kind of malice. I don't know how you, how you come back from that. I mean, uh, and he died that shortly thereafter in the play. So I, I never had a it very is. positive, uh, I never had a positive view of Hamlet's final outcome in that percent in, in, in that sense. But uh, fortunately, it's just literature and, and not an actual uh, human thing. But, you know, it, it's, it's, is. It's, a, it's is. a reminder. It's a reminder to us all. We don't want people to die in their sin. No, it's antithetical to the gospel. 100% to desire that. So correct people when you hear them say it, because a lot of them say it. Oh, no, just wait for him to die. Just wait for him to die. No, 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 no. Even Bergoglio, even Bergoglio has 
he could repent. He could repent. And I, I get hate mail whenever I say that, too. Oh, how can you possibly say that? <laughs> well, if there's no hope for Bergoglio, then there's no hope for me. And there's no hope for any of us, you know. That's uh, hope, the virtue of hope, you know, second glorious mystery, the ascension, fruit of the mystery, hope. Uh, yeah, we need to have that. And we need to even have hope for Bergoglio and his repentance. So live it. Our model here is not Hamlet. It's 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 actually Gilda from um, Rigoletto, where where she sacrifices herself. That Rigoletto has a chance to live, and or not Rigoletto, but the uh, the Duke has a chance to live and possibly revive, revert his ways at some point. Hope, absolutely. I, I think that went over your head, and hopefully there are some no. people who in, in the audience who. Oh, it's who, an who opera. Are... It's an opera reference. That's um. It's is that Traviata or? No, it's Rigoletto. Oh. Gilda is the daughter of Rigoletto. I'm, I'm blanking on the seen, name I've of the I've not Duke. seen Rigoletto. I've not seen Rigoletto. Oh, it's a good one. You need to. All right. I'll keep an eye out for it, but, you know, easier said than done sometimes. It's a flash of lightning. Definitely. Need to, need to see that one. Okay. All right. Until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. Well said. Excellent reminder.